but I needed that loss. I needed the loss to really get good because I was only an extremely hard worker. Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Yes, indeed, folks. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. My guest today is the one and only Dan Gable, Mr. Wrestling, America's Ultimate Winner, the GOAT Among Goats. What an honor it was to sit down with this legend. Now, for those of you who aren't woke, which is what I think the the youngsters say these days, here are a few stats on Dan Gable. 21 years as the head coach of Iowa. During that time, he won 21 consecutive Big Ten titles and 15 national titles, winning nine straight from 1978 through 1986. As a wrestler, he was unbeaten from his sophomore year in high school through the very last match of his senior year, compiling a record of 181-1, which is crazy. And he lost his last match. He lost his last college match to Larry Owings. We talk about that a lot today. Then, after college, he went on to win the Olympic gold medal in 1972 without surrendering a point. It's just unbelievable. This guy is known throughout the grappling circles, not just wrestling, and a couple points of reference before we get into it. The first is, in 1987, Gable and the Hawks were beat by Iowa State, Gable's alma mater, to end their streak of 10 titles. And we talk about that about halfway through. And then lastly, about 42 minutes in, we had a small technical difficulty and we lost about 30 seconds of audio. And so that's why you hear that transition sound. Now, quick shout to DB Digital. That's DB Digital. It's run by a wrestler, Dalton Bullard. If you need a website or a logo, give these guys a look. It's dbdigitalagency.com. They're redoing the Wrestling Changed My Life website, so you'll get a first-hand look at their craftsmanship. Fan of the week goes to none other than my mom, Lori Steiner. Mama Jay, as she's known in the friend circle, she's the one who used to send me to the Iowa camps for my birthday present. And so I owe her a lot for my obsession with wrestling and with Gable. And now, we'll take you to this conversation with Coach Gable. We had so much footage, I wanted to be choosy on where we brought you in. So we bring you in with Coach Gable talking about his high school career where his best friend, Marty Dickey, was behind him every single year of high school. So as a sophomore, he was JV when Gable was a starter at 95. When they were junior, Gable was a starter at 103. Dickey was the backup at 103. And then their senior year, they come in at the same weight 
and Gable ends up cutting down a weight just to let Dickie in the lineup. And that's where he picked this story up because it's an awesome one. Thank you so much, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. State champ. He was the JV. I'm undefeated. He's undefeated. But he never got to go to the States. So 103 the next year. I'm a 103-pound undefeated state champion. He's the reserve at 103. He's undefeated. So we going into my senior year. We both show up wanting to go 120. He's undefeated. I'm undefeated. He doesn't have any credentials. <laughs> Seven undefeated record for JV. Yeah. So Mr. Siddons pulls me aside, Coach Siddons, and says, you know, you got a lot of intestinal fortitude. We used to use some big words like that, and I'd probably go look them up. But he goes, you know, I think you're both about the same size, you know, both undefeated, but I'd really like to get you both in the lineup. I don't think Marty can make 112, but I think you can because you'll do whatever you have to do to make the weight. And that was it. I went down to 112, and I finished that, my career undefeated state championship, and he finished his career undefeated state championship. Wow. But he only had one year on varsity. And guess what? When I won mine, I had three years, three-time state champ, 64-0, and 0, and the crowd was, was happy about me and loved it. But when Marty Dickey won, the place went crazy. In fact, I went crazy. And that was the first time I ever probably got excited because I was always low key, and I was really excited for him winning the state championship. So, wow, uh, that was. Um, I think that was kind of the start of my coaching, making a career, making decisions like where, I, who can make what weight, and, and uh, especially with the Peterson boys. That's to me. No, that's the most amazing. The most amazing story is that that Ben Peterson wasn't a state champion. I don't think. I think he was second. But all of a sudden, Ben got recruited by Nichols because he saw him wrestle Chuck Gene, even though Gene beat him, but he kind of pushed him a little bit and offered him a scholarship. And then when Ben came in, it was like, I don't know if Ben ever, uh, if you ask Ben, he, he I came up to him to ask him to work out. And he goes, do you want to work out with me for? I'm way bigger than you, you know. You know, he didn't say it, but I'm like, you can't wrestle me. You know, and then, then he found out that I could, you know, and so, then we became very good friends, very good workout partners. And the reason why is because he came back for more all the time too. And if I were somebody that I could really depend on being there, uh, an extra workout or just going after practice, he would do it. Right. He would do it. And he, and he had that. So it was perfect for me, but it was also helping him a lot too. So I would even make the trip to his home sometimes. And I think the thing that uh, really surprised me when I made the trip there was uh, was early on. I made it when I was still had eligibility, probably going into my senior year. But because Ben would have been maybe only a sophomore, maybe I'm not sure what year. But 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 anyway, Ben, after his freshman year, I know that I went to his house, and all of a sudden in his house, there's a chalkboard. I don't know if it was right outside of his bedroom or inside his bedroom, but it was, he had a, a name written down there. And it was the name of, it was a nickname of the guy he had to beat out at Iowa State to make the team, who has been waiting around to make the team. And he had wrestled Ben as a freshman 
and he could handle Ben. But Ben had to beat him out. But Ben went home that summer. On that chalkboard, he wrote this guy's name, but he didn't write his name down. He called him something else. Mm-hmm. I think he called him the Great Gatsby. And uh, but anyway, his name was Don Gillespie, and and rest his soul because he Don passed away, I believe, with cancer. But 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 Don went to Hawaii, I think, and drove a taxi car cab all summer long just for the a good vacation. Whereas Ben was home every day with that chalkboard, and every day he'd get up, he'd see that guy's name that that reminded him. And Ben went to work to to beat him. And wow! So what happened was when they came back to school, uh, <laughs> Don one grabbed Ben just to work out with him a little bit, and it was like, "Whoa, what is this?" There's a world of difference when you go for three months and one guy's training for. Uh, Kind of like Owings, he snuck up on me a little bit, and he did a good job of not letting the guy know. And so did Ben Peterson. He did a good job of letting Don Gillespie. But I think Don Gillespie wouldn't have matter, mattered anyway because I think he thought he could probably beat him anyway just based on the fact that he beat him all his freshman year right out of high school. Right. So Was Owings it. on your radar at all in college? No, no. He never was on my radar. So your junior year, you have the most dominant year you could probably have. God knows how many pens. Grow- 34, 34 in a row. In a row. Yeah. Gregorian Award. Yeah. OW. And I've read that. Team championship. Team championship. Because that always helps. When you got a, when you're surrounded by champions, it's a it's a it's 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 always another edge. So how many was it in a row? Thirty four? Your junior year? Uh I don't know if it was between my sophomore and junior or between my junior and senior year or whatever. But uh they only counted twenty five because I wrestled in two during the during the uh, season, I wrestled in the uh, Great Plains Open, mm-hmm. and I wrestled in the Phoenix Open, and they were freestyle tournaments. I pinned all uh, nine of them, or uh, yeah, all nine of them, I think, all ten maybe, but something like that. So, but they didn't count those on the record. So it's twenty five is a record, but it's really I had thirty four in a row. Okay, and then so yeah. your junior year, from what I read, that you you kind of had to refocus yourself and you set your sights on Mike Grant. It was a great wrestler from Oklahoma. Yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. Talk to us about that. Made a lot of mistakes. Um, Is it true you did uh, focus on Grant? Yeah, I did. And that's not what you focus on. Because it was a month before the season ended. Yeah. In fact, probably more than a month, by five weeks. And when you all of a sudden have your focus on something and it's not end of the season. So this is a coaching tool, too. You know, you sure, I thought it was going to help me. I thought it was going to help me because I was going to make me train harder, you know, in the off season because I got more than just an, another national title. I got this guy that's a, a way to class above me, and I'm going to go up for, for him. I'm going to train for him. But, well, I should have went the same way to the national tournament as him if I was going to beat him because wow. because I had I had another five weeks, and I, I just came off a year, of, or, or not year, but probably 11 months of um, – psychologically training for a guy and not even not even shooting for the highest level of what I need to shoot for. The highest level is the national title, Saturday night. And I was shooting for Mike Grant in Oklahoma all the time. That was that was what I was coming from. And so I had I had my sights all and that's a good coaching skill to learn, a good athletic skill to learn. Uh now, could I have done them both? Yeah, but I would have I needed to still have that other goal is the major goal and it wasn't it was grant and it wasn't winning the third national title 
did you think that impacted the 70 Nationals for you, 1970 Nationals? I think that was part of it. But I also think it was because I was doing interviews, just like I'm doing interviews right now. I have no, you have no business doing interviews until you get your job done, <laughs> and that's the bottom line. And, I, and that's another coaching skill that that helped me a lot, and it helped me for the next two years too. Right. I mean, I was, I was, I, I received the night before, and I hadn't made weight yet because you make weight the morning of. So I went to a banquet. Probably wasn't able to eat much. Probably just a little bit, but. Then I had to get up, say a couple words, and receive the Man of the Year award the night before. Yeah, I, I got the I got the Man of the Year award, <laughs> whatever that was. Anyway, so you know, there's no reason I should have been at a banquet. I should have sent somebody else to get it. You don't get you don't go there and, and get a standing ovation the night before the freaking tournament and expect to keep your own edge on it now there's some people that could but me i was a guy that my focus was very important to me and that's why i think i was a good coach too because i realized which guy needed focus which guy didn't now that i look about it, i go back with tom ryan you know and he he said he needed some distractions and stuff like that but you know what he talked me into that you know i should have i should have let him uh focus on what he needed to focus you know he was like focusing on girls or yeah. something he said that's a good distraction for me well, I've learned that that sometimes is really the case, but I don't think so in Tom Ryan. I just think it was something that he wanted to do, you yeah. know. And I, I and at my as a coach, I should have stepped up and uh, and had him been more ready for, especially his senior year, uh, after he came almost won his junior year. Uh, and uh, there are stories there too. But so but anyway, was passed out when you were coaching. That was the hardest match I ever coached against Pat Smith. Yeah, because you know the guy was going for his second or third. He's gonna, you know, he's on his way to be the all-time four-timer, and you know that's kind of goals you take on it. You take on the highest goals. I mean, that's why when kids go to college, if they just, if you, if your goal is higher than college, well, college is just a step for you. But if you're, go, if if you're only gonna that, if you're done after college, then your chances are not as good as that guy that's gonna go on and be a gold medalist in the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why you, you know always try to get the kids' goals a little higher and try to get them keep them in the sport and because you never know what you got, you never know what you got. Not everybody's going to be able to do that, but that's that's how you get, keep getting better and that's how you don't lose your focus and that's how you stay focused all the way through your national championship finals and then you go on to next. But as I look at it, it's it's controversial. It's and it's like, why would I say this? But I needed that loss. I needed the loss to really get good because I was only an extremely hard worker. And I didn't have all those coaching tools yet. I had some of them because I had great coaches. But I didn't really understand the artistic part of the sport, like the Russians, what they do. And they don't totally understand the, the hard work part of the sport, so our physical hard work. But, but for me, you know, because when I lost to Owings, I had somebody that could stay in a match with me. But yeah, I was tired from the beginning. And if I wasn't tired from the beginning, I would have been okay. I would have been able to be a lot more of who I was really capable of being. But usually you wore people down and they they, they turned over and they just gave up. Always wasn't going to give up no matter what. And he never did. But I was really tough. I was... And maybe not so tough this match because I was tired. 
and I didn't know. I mean, I knew I was tired. That's the part. Whereas you don't know you're tired when you're wrestling. If you're focused, you only know you're tired after the match. Many times I was tired after a match, but only after the match. But this one I knew one minute into it. I mean, I locked up with him and, and got into a bear hug with him right away. I, and I went out of bounds. And I remember right away walking back to the center saying, God, I feel weak. <laughs> and I, I mean, we're 30, 40 seconds into the match. And I said that to myself. I had to talk myself into wrestling tough, as tough as I could at that time, because being, you know, not effective, the whole match. I had to talk myself. And I don't know if I could have talked myself into going overtime or not. What, do you think he got in your head before because of all this? He got in my head the day before the tournament started. But I never knew anything about him before that. Barely. I wasn't even, he wasn't even on my radar. Do you even remember wrestling him in 68? I do just a little bit because I was a little surprised he scored four points on me. It was like, this kid's a high school kid. He battled out there. But I had no idea who's going to score four points on me. But I've, 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 I think I forgot about that match. I really do. I, I don't even know if I remembered that match till after he beat me. And then you kind of go back and you're like, yeah. who the hell is this guy? Yeah. After the match, true or false, the Chuck Jean story, that he wasn't going to wrestle after you lost. Absolutely truth. See, everybody was giving me hugs and feeling sorry for me and I was already feeling sorry for myself. I don't need anybody else feeling sorry. I felt bad for my mom and dad and, uh, you know, my friends and all that stuff. But me, I was, you know, I was down. And and uh, so Northwestern had this underground walkway. You could go down underground and you'd walk to another building where we had our locker rooms. You'd go up. And so I hid. I hid for, uh, you know, after, I think it was probably after I got my award just because they give you awards after the next weight class. Yeah. So 4250. So it'd be after the 50 pound weight class. They, uh, what, yeah, 140, 150. That was the first year for that weight classes. So I said, I got to get out of here. I, I, I'm tired of people. I need to be myself. So I walked down, went away and I should really shouldn't. Cause we had a guy in a national finals at 58. We had a national, had a guy in a 67. We had a guy in a 77. So, so, but I remember walking after I got my, uh, second place um, medal, which, by the way, when I'm when I'm on the stand, I'm not looking up. I'm looking down, and the crowd's giving me a standing ovation, and they they keep going, they keep going. I keep thinking, would you guys shut up? Come on, shut up. I don't want. I mean, this is great, but appreciate it. But how do you stop? How do you, how do you stop these guys? So the guy that was handing me the award. I didn't say that, but he finally walked over to me. He was actually one of my teammates at Iowa State, Vic Marcucci, a former national champion and graduate. He walks over and he goes, Gable. I go, yeah, Vic. He goes, would you look up? That's all they're waiting for. When you look up, they're going to stop. So I looked up. They stopped. Then they went on to Owings. Hell, I'd still be looking down. They'd still be clapping to this oh day. Oh, my gosh. That's so it's, you know, I just didn't get it. Yeah. I just didn't get it. So so anyway, so then we had that. But then, okay, so then after that, I jumped down. And so I bumped into this person, bumped into that person. And they're, they're oh, okay, you know, hugging me. I, I got to get out of here for a little while. So I walked down, went back to the locker room. And I just went to the locker room, sat down on the floor in the locker room. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm in the locker room. 
there's some showers going. And it's and I kind of hear somebody. Something, what the heck, you know? So I kind of want to see who it was. So I get up, walk around the corner of the lockers, and I look into the shower room. And I had just heard. I knew that I knew that we won. Uh, Dave Martin won. I don't think I even watched his match. That's sad. Or maybe I stood back in the corner, oh. yeah, and watched it. And then I and Chuck and then uh, then we won with Jason Smith. And then I heard second call at one seventy seven. Chuck Jean to the mat for the national finals. You know. And I'm thinking, second call? What the, where in the hell is Chuck Jean? So, so I'm walking around, and I'm looking in the shower, and he's naked. He's in the shower, taking a shower. What? Yeah. What the hell is he doing? That's what I'm saying. Chuck. He looked at me. I go, what are you doing? He goes, you know, I've been in the lineup with you for the last two years. I've never wrestled in the lineup behind you when you lost. And I'm not about to start now. And so that's another coaching thing that wow. really, really made me jump into my coaching frame. So I, I was born to be a coach, you know, just based on the, my family and the YMCA and all that stuff. So I looked at him. And that's the, finally, finally my tears dried up. And finally, I quit, felt, quit feeling sorry for myself. And I was trying to help somebody else and so i was straight i mean i just boom i did a flip just like that i said chuck i said you want to double hurt me i said i just lost so if you lose that's another loss on me i'm the captain of this team and i said best thing you could do for me and for this team if you want to help us get out there and wrestle this match and honest to god he was like a fireman he jumped into his shoes and his and went down this pole because he had to go down a pole, and uh, he could go downstairs or a pole. He had this pole, and he just jumped his shoes, jumped on that pole, ran out in the last call, and won the nationals. Oh my lord! And he had another year of eligibility. That was the last match he ever wrestled for Iowa State. I was done, so I was pretty much he was done too. But he ended up at least winning that last match. How long after that were you kind of in a funk where? That prompted your mom to drive up there and give you a little. Oh, that, no! Right away. Here's what happened. Right away. I mean, I I go. That's a Saturday. So uh, that's a Saturday night. Saturday night. I go to bed. For some reason, I slept in a room by myself. I don't know if that. I didn't get much sleep that night. But next day, we got in the cars and we went back. We had station wagons and we pulled into Buyer Hall, and there was a. It was full of people, fans waiting for us. Buyer Hall's the uh, gym at Iowa State. And uh, had the had the wrestling room there, and it was a full house. And for some reason, I was the last guy out of the car. So they were cheering everybody as they got out of the car. But when I got out of the car, dead silence. They just didn't know what to do. And so I made the walk from the car to the to the uh, little corner door of Buyer Hall, and on and I had some, there were some wrestlers there were there. I looked at him. I said, "You, you, and you. You will you train? We'll go work out with me right now." And they go, "Yeah." So I took three guys up in the wrestling room, 
right then when I when we got back. So if we got up in the morning at nine o'clock, eight o'clock, we'd be back by two o'clock in the afternoon. And I went up in the wrestling room, laced my shoes up. Russell had alternated three guys on me, two or three guys, I can't remember which one, for about a half hour straight. And just beat the living dog's night out of him. But I didn't know I was going to. Because as I'm walking out of the room, I said to myself, I can't believe I'm still good. I'm still good. That was the big part of my, my healing. Uh, even though it came back that night when I went back to my room alone. Uh, the whole night I was thinking about the match and all that. But then I went home. This is a Sunday night. And luckily, I was already scheduled to wrestle in an inner squad, not an inner squad, a college university all-star meet the next weekend. So we had an an all-star meet. It was in Cedar Rapids. It was full. I wrestled this kid from Cornell, pinned him. But it was like I was questioning myself. I just, you know, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. I, you know, even though I came back and I had that practice, you know, you just, you don't get over something that quick. You never do. In fact, I'm not over now. But but what I didn't tell you was, and this is good because it was like Monday, my mom calls me after Owings. And I answered the phone as my mom. I said, hello. And, and Actually, I think somebody else answered and said, your mom's on the phone. So I went over there, and I picked the phone up, and I go to I go to talk. I couldn't talk. So my mom's going, Dan, Dan, you're there, right? I just couldn't talk. I, I, I Choked couldn't, up? Or? Yeah, choked up. And finally, I just hung up the phone. So I think she called again that day a couple, three times, and I just kept choking up. She, I should have had somebody tell him. Maybe I did. I don't know. I, but uh, I just, it wasn't working. And I, she didn't really know what was going on. So next morning, Tuesday morning, I um, get, the doorbell rings about 6 a.m. <laughs> she had driven down, knocked on my door. Well, I didn't know. And I, I opened it and it was her. And I was like in shock. I was like in shock. Because it wasn't like I didn't want to talk to her. And then she slaps me across the face. She slaps me across the face. And all of a sudden, I start talking. You know, you people that you love and you think you let them down, you know, it, it, it was just something that I, you know, 181 matches in a row, 182nd, and you lose over seven years, you know, in that style. And it was just, it was traumatic, traumatic to me, I thought. Well, you felt bad but for my, them. But my, but my, Mom knew it was traumatic, but let's get on with yeah. it and let's not feel sorry for yourself. Let's don't. And so she was there to straighten me out. That little slap straightened me out a lot. And uh, and did you visualize any of this match when you were on the podium with the Olympics in '72? Did you have any flashbacks of that? <sighs> I think it was just flashbacks of my sister. Hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, getting murdered. Yeah, but her being there. What did you What did you visualize? What did you- I just visualized her right there. I mean, she was right there. I don't know. She was right there on the floor with me, or whatever. She was right there with me. You know, um, the Owings. Uh, I used that match. I deciphered it. You know, 
exact, you know, the whole match, second by second, and come to the conclusion that the summer before <laughs> I worked really hard, you know, in a, in a lumber job, you know, hauling stuff and wrestled at practices, but I never went to a training camp like I did every other summer. Yeah. So I found that I, instead of going to this one or two weeks of training, like during the summer, going like the Olympic training camp or the world training camp or a Pan American training camp, which I went to all of them as a younger kid, that I didn't do anything. And I'm saying, you know, it's just, you find the smallest little things that maybe you could have done to, to prevent from this happen. But I think the big thing was this. It was a coaching skill that I learned, the Owings loss. Uh, two things. Coaching skill that you, no matter how good your athletes is, you are, you have to keep them under your wing and make sure they don't get distracted for what they need. And, that, you know, that's that's one thing. But the other thing was Owings taught me was if I wrestle somebody that can keep up with me, I got to be better than them. So I, I need some more artistic work, I call it. I need some more of what the Russians have. And so I went to work on that, but I didn't let up on my tough work. So I got I really improved in my wrestling uh, on my feet, offensively, but really good defensively. I mean, that was a skill that I learned a lot, too, when getting hurt and learn how to wrestle and score from a defensive point of view when a guy shoots. Or even more when a guy shoots, you actually hand fight so well where you put him in a shot position where you snap him down. And then, and then you do goal lines, whip overs, knee taps. I learned this knee tap that was, oh, my God. Bobby Douglas helped me that, with that. And it really came in handy because when guys were coming after you when you were ahead or you wanted to protect your knee or whatever. And when I think about that section of your life, I think of it as distancing yourself. Exactly. Separating. I call it separating. And then to make the world team, I had two guys only show up in my weight, and I beat them both 25 to nothing. And you know what? how I was critiquing that match? It wasn't that I beat him 50 to nothing, total score. It was like, well, I'm not a very good pinner. How do you beat someone at 25 nothing and not pin them? So it was like I was analyzing it. So when you get to, you know, incredible run, first two-time back-to-back world champ for the U.S. ever. Now was I? Was I? Yep. Wow. Yep. That's good. That's good. I like that. So anyway, so you, you get to Iowa. You're the assistant for a couple of years, but then you become the head coach. Four years, actually. But anyway, once I took over in 77, we had already won the Nationals twice. So there was some pressure on to win it a third time, but we had a brand new team. We had no guy back at the same weight. Right. So we had like, or maybe eight of them. And, uh, but they were good. They ended up third. Got it. But we were one of three favored to win going into the Nationals. And then so, but after that, you win. Nine, you, nine in a row. Nine in a row, yeah. of course. I, I read that like 80 was kind of the first year where it was out in Oregon, had a bunch of freshmen. People another start- another brand new team. Guys were hurt, had to step in. I brought a kid named King Mueller up, replaced Trezino because he was hurt. But King Mueller was a stud. I mean, he got third, but he could have won it as well. But So 83 to me, when I look at the run, right? It's So 83 or 80? 83 was their first year in my mind where there's flat out domination, where right. it was people started to really, you think or no? Okay, so we won. 75, 76, I was assistant. Then we won again in, uh, so when I took over 77, we won in 78, 79, 80. I'd say by the time um, 81, 82 started coming, it was pretty much, we were pretty much Runaway. kicking butt. Yeah. yeah. And then 86, and so what's interesting well, is 86 that- was the year that 
they lost Iowa State and made a run the for last nine duel. miles. We get six guys in the finals and five win. So yeah. eighty six, they named Givens a coach. In the first duel, you beat him twenty five nine at Carver. The second duel of the year in eighty six, you guys lose, right? And you just mentioned that. And then two weeks later, you're going to win the Big Tens and you win the Nationals. One of the biggest runaways ever, 1986 Nationals, dominated. Mm-hmm. Maybe 97 was better. But what happened in that duel, the second duel that you're in, at Iowa State, and you made them run home? Like, wh- mm-hmm. How did they turn the corner from 25 to 9 back to beating Iowa? They were good, but we were losing. Listen, we, we were lo- – actually, let me let I think about it. We were fine in 79. We won in 78 with some really good kids. By that, I mean all around. So that was 78. So then 79, we pretty much, you know, we looked good, 80. But we were, we were, this was new. I mean, relatively new for the University of Iowa to win national titles. I think we were the only sport, maybe, maybe somebody else might have won. But I still think if there's 20, we have 23 national titles, maybe. If there's 24 or 25, that's, I think that's, yeah, I think I, I think field hockey might have won once or gymnastics won once. But so you have twenty three national titles. So we were actually getting pretty damn good. And about eighty two, eighty three. So let's the year we lost in eighty seven, go back five years, that recruiting class. I believe it was Penrith, Elger, the Randall boys, uh, uh David Ray, uh we had some really good, not only the recruiting class, but guys that were there. We were, we were starting to lose a little tr- as early as eighty two, eighty three. We were losing track of what we built our program on. We we built our program on some really good, solid attitude, and. We knew wrestling because I knew wrestling, mm-hmm. and I'd get I'd get people in there from the club that knew wrestling. Mm-hmm. Brought Jay Robinson in, you know, you, uh, you know he's in Greco, and you had some other really good guys. Uh, you had a guy from Oklahoma State. Jay was from Oklahoma State. You had uh, Jeff Baum come in from Oklahoma State, uh, but but we were actually really good then. But we were we were losing that. Um, that humbleness a little bit that you still always need to be able to go and get better or to stay as good as you were, but you don't stay as good as you were. You got to get better. Mm -hmm. You know, we were so good that we could still win the nationals and not be at that really upper level mentality and discipline. I should use the word discipline. Mm -hmm. And so we were winning. We won in 83, won in 84, 85 and 86. Four years in a row on just we were good. We started losing our dedication, discipline, respect from people, getting some people arrested, too many parties. I mean, a lot of fans fit right into the parties too. Sure. But then all of a sudden when something goes wrong, you make the paper, uh, especially when you're an athlete that is on a national championship team or a national championship. You won a national championship yourself. I mean, a guy named Penrith, he wins the he wins the nationals, 
in 86. He's only a, a sophomore that year. But he had been arrested five times for intoxication or for not intoxication, but for like underage drinking or something. Never even put it in the paper once. They just didn't even bother to put it in the paper. Or if they did, they put it, nobody caught it. So because they didn't know who he was. But he gets he gets caught doing something like two weeks after the Nationals. And it's not just him because he's got his roommate, Elger, and he's got. They were uh, roommates? When they came in as freshmen together. Oh, they were roommates. What a mistake. Oh, <laughs> what a mistake. You put the two most crazy, craziest guys as far as wanting to party and, and having a crazy time together in the same room. But they got kicked out of the dorms the freshman year. I don't know if I even knew it. Did you have to go in and keep the peace or you didn't know? No, I didn't even know it. But you know what they did? There was no rules. There's a rule made after them. They pitched a tent out in the yard right outside their dorm room in the in the in the uh, yard and lived the last 3 weeks of the school after they got kicked out in a tent. So they went in and showered in the mornings and stuff like that. Oh my. But the next Lord. year they came out with a rule that you could that, that you if you get kicked out you can't live on campus grounds. But they had no rule for like. So it's like, wow. But I didn't even know about it. So things were getting out of control. Well, I, a lot of it, yeah. people were either scared, you know, I had, uh, you know, a reputation or they just didn't want to bother me or what. So, I mean, there was things that were going on that I didn't know. Or even if I did know some of them, I was turning the cheek. Yeah. I was turning the cheek. And I'll tell you what, it, you know, it. what you really learn, again, I'm going back to coaching because it took that loss from Gibbons' loss to really kind of start me analyzing all the program Kind of like I did when I lost to Owings going yeah. back, you know. So I'm going back and I'm and I'm learning, you know, from '83, '84. I'm looking and I'm saying, you know, some of these people that did call me or or maybe I got a bad uh, write up about the wrestling team or something. You know, they they got some, they have a legitimate beef. You know, I, I would never admit that that before. It took a loss for me to get humbled and really look at what we had going, and I. Uh, realized that we need to turn this around. But it still wasn't there yet until the next season, about in December. So that's in March. March of 87. Of, 80, of 87. So about December, when I had the team, a really good team, but they, they showed these signs of weakness. I think they got beat, like, in a some match out east or something. And... I came back and I said, you know, there's some things got to change. Hmm. It's to the wrong guys running the, the, the program. You know, instead of me in there, you know, like we built the program, we go back to how we built the program. And some of these guys, I got to got to handcuff them a little bit. And I don't mean them throw them in jail. Yeah. Got to handcuff them to make sure they, they're not walking down the street being cool. Yeah. You know, so, and that include me. Right. Even though I never was that type of guy, but I, I noticed myself coming home later, uh, not, you know, I mean, I, I always stayed after prayer. I was the last guy there every night, but all of a sudden I'd stop at a bar, have a beer, but somebody'd buy me a beer, you know, I'd end up staying stay for 15 minutes. I'd stay for an hour. I'd get home. By the time I got home, gosh, wife and 
three kids would um, the three kids are in bed, and whether I, if I took him to school that morning at early, I might have saw him. But if I didn't, because of early practice or something, then I didn't see him all day. So you know, so I'm I'm starting to think, man, I got to get my life straightened up, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, we have starting having trouble a little bit uh, at home, but not just with the kids. The kids don't know; they're too yeah. young. But the wife, you know, we're probably going back and forth a little bit too much. And I can see why she would be. I mean, don't not see me much. And the fact that, you know, it's, there's two that's supposed to raise a family, you know, at least most of the time. And uh, I said, I gotta, I gotta straighten myself up. You know, I'm one of my wrestlers actually tipped me off. I, I went out with one of my wrestlers after practice one day, and said, you know, you should probably be home. Wow! <laughs> I looked at him. I said, whoa. You know, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, then the craziest story to me was that so 87, you 87, you lose the first old Iowa State. You beat them at at home. So you're going into nationals in 87, maybe a little not overconfident, but you're thinking things might be OK because we just beat Iowa State in that last duel. And then you lose. And then you go to a trip to Hawaii. And is it, you know, your wife said, hey. You shouldn't even come with us in this family activity day. Stay in the hotel room and like get yourself together. What happened? Because I didn't want to go. Um, I was kind of miserable with her. My my mom straightened me out. Then my wife straightened me out on that trip when we. Yeah, it was the first time we were gonna we, we were gonna go on vacation too. It's the first time we we're gonna go on vacation after the nationals, which I should have been going after eighty five or after eighty two, after eighty three, after because I when I stayed here, it was like people could get me. Yeah. They couldn't get me when I was in Hawaii, right. and so my wife actually said, "You you work till noon. We're gonna do some things in the morning, and then you come out and join us in the afternoon." And I agreed with that. That would that helped me. So I started uh, doing some work all by myself for the like nine o'clock, ten o'clock. I probably worked like three hours, and I probably get a workout in, and then I'd stick around with the, the family, probably join them at lunch, and then I'd probably work out, and then we'd probably you know, be out together the rest of the time, but. Yeah, we there's a lot of things so that a lot some of self reflection during that. Well, time you know, or? it's 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 again. You go back to like your mom. You go back to your dad. You go back to your wife, and you know, to stay together for forty five years now. You know, on the forty six, it takes a lot of work, and neither one of us, whether it be my family. With my mom and dad, who was gonna, who, they were gonna lose it with my loss of my sister because they blamed each other, and it took me to kind of pull them back to go together and my wrestling, and and that helped me too, even though you that's, that's, you don't really want to like to use utilize that kind of help, but if you go the other way, it's gonna make things worse. So then, like in my life with my family and my kids and my wife, when there's tough times, sometimes. You know, you got to kind of get back in the corner, but then you got to make, you got to go and doing the right thing. And the right thing was, uh, you know, me, when my mom came down to pull me out of, of my house and got me to talk, you knew that there was a support system there. And if I was hesitating either way, you know, there's, they get you back on track, but the winning got me on track too. Right. The winning got me back on track. So then back in, in, uh, when we 
lost in 87, we didn't really win right away. Mm. And so that was another huge learning thing for me. But we were second. And then we were second. Then we were sixth. And then you really analyze why you were sixth. Because we were ranked one of three teams to win going into that tournament. The headlines were, uh, I think it was the Cowboys or the Arizona State, whatever they are. Sun Devils. Sun Devils or the Hawkeyes. Those three were picked to win the NASA tournament. But we kind of had worked our way up into that towards the end of the year because we beat both those teams back-to-back here in dual meets. You're feeling pretty good at 89. Yeah. You go and you get sixth. Oh, oh my God. And the fact that you, I realized that I had to have somebody on my team that was a veteran that was running the show. Because um, I had the two brands. Well, I only had one brands because Tom Brand, Terry Brands got beat out by Steve Martin that year. And But the two brands were just freshmen. And I think Tom got fourth maybe. And uh, But the thing was, they weren't really old enough to be quite the, you know, like to influence everybody yet, even though they were starting to. And what it made me realize, though, is I can't let my team have guys that were like eight, nine, ten guys on the team that are good wrestlers, but there's there's really nobody to follow mm. right now on that team. If you looked at every weight class, yeah. they were both all kind of guys that, except for the brands, but they were young yet. and they So they were making transitions, and they weren't the champs yet. One of them didn't make the team. So, you know, and, and I looked and I analyzed that team and uh, you needed somebody like initially a Barry Davis. Uh, but you don't really know your guys are going to win, even though you're the coach. You pretty much think they are, but it's yeah. you're not them. Yeah. It's them. And they always have these little pieces that you don't know about because they're not you. And so all these guys that won for me, Wow. I, I, it's like overwhelmed me. It overwhelmed me for satisfaction. And I, it, to the point where I almost lost it. By that I'm saying I was, I was letting them kind of take over. And so I had to step up as a leader again Yeah, to make sure that they know that, that they still have somebody to look up to and that this is the way to do it. This is the right way to do it. That's not, you know, just... Well, to that point, one of the themes that comes through is that you felt like those guys were your sons and they loved you and you loved Some them. Some of them. And the ones that were my sons probably needed a bar there between me and them. So uh, I think the closest guy that was really, I think I probably hurt him. If I had to do it over again, which I hate that term because I'll, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. About had to do it over again. But um, is Greg Randall. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just loved the little kid. But he he probably was partying too much. And he was around an atmosphere. And came in with it a little bit. And he got second in the nation twice. Lost to great guys. John Smith and Jim Jordan, I think, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, uh, then he got hurt his senior year. But, but he needed discipline, but he needed church and state separation. He needed, yeah. 
And he almost was so close to me that he would do things in spite of, you know, it's like, you're my dad. You know, it's like, or I can do this. I'm going to, I'm going to, and he's going to do it because he's wanting to piss me off or something. You yeah. Know? So there needed to be more of that. And again, sometimes you might have to be that way, but he needed, he needed some help uh, from me. And I was giving him good help, but not great help. So like, what do you think allowed you to be able to know the guys so well? I have such a feel for you guys. How you knew how to push them. I just think because I was so into, um, leading my whole life from my sophomore year. Actually, before that, I'd probably go back to the why, learned leadership skills. But then, and just always being the hardest working guy. So, you know, this podcast, what's the name of this podcast? Wrestling Changed My Life. Yeah. So I want to tell you about that. So right now, wrestling, that's true for so many kids. And the kids that need that, that is a perfect podcast for them because so many kids wrestling did change their life. But for me, it the term for me is wrestling added to my life, added to my life. And the reason why I say that, and this is what I think the separation, again, from me and the rest of the people is because I had so many good things in my life mm-hmm. that were offered to me and I took before I even had wrestling. And so wrestling was the one sport that added and took me to the level of excellence that I could go to. I I don't think I could have. And again, when I said I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have been the major league baseball wrestler, uh, baseball player that I was a wrestler or the football player or the swimmer. Uh, and, I, and it all has to do with probably my size. I mean, but then again, when I when I if I'm going to debate you, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to be that because that's what I'm going to go into going for. Right. But in reality, wrestling added to my life that was already damn good. Yeah, damn good, and it was heading in the right direction. It's just that there was a sport out there that was on equal basis. That I didn't have to play against a guy that was tackling me that was 20 pounds bigger than me or 50 pounds bigger. Or I played in basketball and a guy was nine inches taller than me. Or, But in wrestling, I, had, I got to go wrestle a guy that was my own weight, even though I ended up wrestling everybody. Right. And that helped me a lot, too, after wrestling everybody, learning physics and positioning and, and all that kind of stuff. And making me not really weigh what I weighed. I weigh way more than I weigh because of my physics. But, But for me, this podcast is about what what wrestling added to my life and it didn't really change i already had my life going good yeah and so it just added to it but there are a lot of kids that were are heading the wrong direction i was heading a good direction you know i mean i great parents great coaches yeah, great uh, ymca leadership uh family friends everybody liked me and i liked everybody that's the thing i mean you can't believe who my best friends were like in growing up I mean, they weren't even athletes. I mean, they were like the Beatles guys, <laughs> long-haired Beatles guys, yeah, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Rockers. Almost. But I also liked everybody else. I mean, it's it's something where wrestling, some people where wrestling is their life, 
they don't say wrestling changed your life because it's such a big part of the like yeah. wrestling well, culture. I say that wrestling yeah, is my life. It is your life, right? Yeah. So, but I have to have the people that are close to me in the same category or majority, and that has been the case, luckily, no. because both my families, my first one and then my second one, they love wrestling. In fact, the other day, I'm, I'm sitting in my house, and my my wife, my daughter, my oldest, my youngest daughter, who lives just not very far from me, who we had issues with her growing up because because I quit wrestling. I didn't know that. She didn't know it. We found out because I wrote a book, and she wrote. They wrote. They interviewed her, and I and we solved our issues. But she just said to me the other night when I said to her, I said, Dad, I said I don't really want to go to wrestling practice because my wife was telling me you got to go to practice more and more. And I said, I don't think I really want my my daughter. It just crushed her. She goes, I can't believe I ever heard you say that. Well, and I tried to clarify myself. Okay, and so instead of going over here to practice a lot, I'm just working on the sport a lot. I'm working here doing a podcast. Yeah. You know, there's things that I can be doing that are probably more influential to the sport than just going over to Iowa's wrestling practice. Yeah. And I want to do those things. Yeah. So, like right now, so I got these two books. I got you know, I got another coaching book, and I I got a beer that's named my name. I got a a, 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 a painting that's out. Uh, yeah, the hottest on. thing going right now is a movie. Yeah, I, it was go, it was supposed to be hot a long time ago, but it kind of failed. But now it's supposed to be the so like right now it's the best script that they've ever. I haven't read it yet. Right. So it's coming to me right now. So I'm hoping it's what they say it is, and this is how I can impact wrestling. Yeah. I want to impact wrestling across the world, but more than that, if it's a what I want it to be, it's going to put. Uh, Trump and Nancy Pelosi together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. the bottom line. Yeah. That's my kind of my goals now, you know? Yeah. And so it's it's um it's, it's a bigger, bigger than it's, just it's, one practice right, what you're saying. Right. Now, as we as we wind down, I wouldn't do the audience justice if I didn't ask about this incredible story. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, I've held that thing longer than I hold held Owings arm. <laughs> Actually, if I had held Owings arm that long, I would have controlled him. Hands cramping up on the co- no, I, folks. I, Gable is here in his in his uh, left hand. He's been gripping the mic so hard his oh. hand just cramped up. He's getting excited here. Yeah. I'm getting excited too. Yeah. Can you tell the story before and we'll wrap up after this? Tell the story about Lincoln McGravy pulling out a red shirt. I mean, this is an incredible story that yeah. I think no one knows. Well, it's in the book, but Lincoln won't believe it, so don't believe it, Lincoln. That's okay. Because you don't have to. You already lived it and done it. And it worked. And uh, So Lincoln McCurry, five-time state champ in high school, comes in really good right away. He's in his Well, he was like 21 year. and 2, I think, when I analyzed it. I think he went to the Midlands and he went to uh, these other tournaments. And it took a long time. But it was only, uh, I mean, there was only three weeks less than, left in the dual meet season. He's a true freshman. Yeah, he's a true freshman. And uh, all of a sudden... Penn State's coming into the Big Ten for the first year, so you got to you know I don't know if you think about all those things, and uh, we got a string going, and Penn State's had beaten us that year maybe, and uh, we might have beat them early, but then we lost to them too. I think we might have beat them in the national duels or something. I don't know, but I tell you what, I had a team, I had a team that we had you know we, we were winning, we were back after. 
And I, what I didn't talk about was when we, those four years and we lost, it took four years to get back on top because it was taken all those years before. Yeah. So I'm saying 83, 84, 85, 86. So it took us as long to rebuild what we were tearing down. And that's really important. That's really important to understand. So even though we went on 83, 84, 85, 86, our team was going downhill mm-hmm. because of me and the lack of discipline and, and the athletes too, but I'm saying the whole program. So, so we had, we had started a string again. And so Lincoln was looking like in the picture, but the real thing that made me, I had to figure out how to make a better team and not just throw somebody in the lineup that was not proven except for back in high school. He had proven some things in college. He'd, he'd done it pretty good. He had lost a couple of unattached matches. But Troy Steiner, come when I went and talked to Troy Steiner, and when he said to me, he goes, Coach, I've already been thinking about this because he's a Dakota kid, even though he was a South uh, North Dakota kid. But Dakota's kind of Dakota. Mm-hmm. So you have Lincoln McGravy. He goes, you know, I've already been thinking about going down a weight so we can get Lincoln in the lineup to help this team to win because, you know, Penn State's coming in and and uh, we want to keep this string going. And he says, he goes, yeah, he goes, you know what? I'll go down a weight. I want to go down a weight class to help the team if you want to put Lincoln in at 42. So it was like I was already thinking about it, but and I was getting ready to go to Steiner, but he had, he'd already beat me to the punch. And that's why he's a head coach at Fresno State. Yeah. You know, he's he thinks that way. Yeah. And the two Steiner boys, besides the two brand boys, were the reason why we were able to get back on top again. Because that put forty that put four out of ten weight classes of guys that were into the sport unbelievably. And so we had that attitude back. Yeah. So that that helped us unbelievably get back build back up. So all of a sudden, Troy Steiner's telling me what I want to ask him before I even ask him. And he's telling me he's go, he'll go down to weight class. Because he's a defending national champ at 142. So, and I went to Lincoln and, you know, he was kind of receptive, but he didn't think his family would be receptive. And, you know, so I don't know exactly how we went to work on it, but. Well, Troy says that he had the All-Star meet that Monday, flies back, and then you guys have the Northwestern duel on Friday. He cuts down, and then you said when he comes off the mat, you're going to ask him how do you feel. Whether or not to pull Lincoln's right, red exactly. Shirt. That's right. Because he, he said he felt good. He's like, because you don't want to burn Lincoln's retro otherwise, right? You know. So Lincoln goes out there, gets beat his first match ever against Northwestern. Yeah, but you got to realize he idolized Carver Hawkeye Arena, and he had never wrestled in there, and the pressure. I didn't really think about it, and he gassed himself. I mean, I handpicked the match for him to come out. So when we decided when he was going to come out, I said Northwestern's the match because that guy, he can tech can fall. Yeah. He, you know, he can beat him by eight or yeah. so. And he loses by seven or eight. He might have got major because he fell apart. And I didn't take into account all the pressure from his family, which I didn't realize, and the fact that his dad didn't want him to do it. So that's tough. And... His dad was waiting for me. So his dad was, after the after the match, we had a party out to Kinseth's Hotel. I don't know if you know about that. Either. I do know about that. So Ken was waiting for you. You just he went was, up to him. But I, but I didn't, I knew where he was at, waiting for me at the door. So I snuck in the back door and came in behind him. 
instead of in front of me. He was waiting for me to walk through the door to attack me. So I went around the back of the building, went in, came in from behind him and grabbed him right from behind. And I said, Ken, he turned and, he, and I started talking real fast. I said, I'm here. We got to talk. And I'm saying, we got to do things. We got to work things together because you know what? He's committed. He cannot not wrestle now. And so me and you, the only way he's going to come back is if me and you get together and figure out how we're going to help this kid because there's no option now. He's already burned the red shirt. He was ready to only just call me every name in the book. And by the time I got done saying that, he was like, uh, 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 yeah, you're right. But he was ready to rip me and he, you know, and I don't care, but I had to approach him first, not let him start the conversation, and I had to control it because there was no other choice. And if he even started going the other way, we're wasting time to win the national tournament. So the bottom line is I had to come up with a plan, and and that plan was the one that started right away in Carver. One of the most magnificent shows <laughs> of individual attention I've ever heard of. So, following week, now you're in the freaking heart of the season. You got a couple of duels left. Big tents are coming up. Well, we're in, a, we're in the end of the season. Three duels and the Big Tens and Nationals. So, you, to get Lincoln's confidence back up, you design three mock duel meets mm-hmm. at Carver. Mm-hmm. You bring in a real real audience or a fake audience? Real audience. 2,000 people from local Iowa City, Cedar Rapids came, and we set them right, right close to the mat. Right on Carver Hawkeye Arena. See, what happened, I'm thinking, you know, Carver Hawkeye Arena made this guy somebody that he's not really. He fell apart right away. And it's got to be this arena. So we got to do something in this arena to make sure he has more experience. The only thing I can do is get more matches. That's, yeah. uh, so we brought in, uh, you know, as much as people and people, and we put it in the paper and the pe- pe- people went along with it. And, and all I told him was gonna, Lincoln was going to have tryouts. And that, well, I need your support to get him there. And and, uh, and, and three guys were going to wrestle him back to back to back, you know, within a matter of like two hours, maybe over two days. And I, and I really had another guy ready to go because he needed another match. I just wasn't sure. But once I saw how he was performing, how he was doing well and winning all these matches, uh, and I actually had to analyze it too to make sure that the guys weren't just going out and laying down. Because I told them they couldn't win, but and they and that's and that's what's really valuable about a good coach. You can get your team to do things to help the team, but nobody wants to lay down for anybody. That's just not good. But if it's for the team, and if it's for at the end of the season, and you know you're not going to get in the lineup, and this is your contribution to, the, to Lincoln McElravey winning the national title or helping help the team win, then you got the team on the right. You're, you're in the right. You're actually you got. That's the way you should do it. But not many teams, not many guys would do it. I, I don't. In fact, some people just wouldn't do it. I don't think I could probably talk Terry Brands or Tom Brands and never saying you got to lose this match. No way. I just don't think I could. No way. But you know but you know what? I, I wouldn't I don't think I could, but I'd probably go about it in a way knowing that they're gonna be a coach someday, because I, I knew they were gonna be coaches and that maybe they need to hear something like this. But anyway, 
So anyway, he he um you do the three mock matches then yep. the following Friday. Arizona and he looked State. good. He yep. looked good and he won his next match, but I'll tell you what, would he have won that next match at Iowa State or was it Arizona State? I don't Arizona know. State. Okay, so it was at our place. And it was an overtime or it was a one-point move. real tight. And the guy had like a losing record. It yeah. wasn't a, even like a worthy right. opponent. Right, and he barely beat the guy. Barely beat the guy. Yeah. And I'm like, what and the so, heck's going on? And so now do you, what do you think? Well, it's a win. It's a win. Yeah. Because the guy from Northwestern was probably not as good as this guy. Probably equally as bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not bad, but like. Right. Lincoln but Michael's then the next week. Ever, Iowa State. Yeah. He doesn't win Big Tens, though. No, he gets third. He loses to uh, uh, loses somebody pretty good. Was it Marinetti? No. The only reason why he lost to Marinetti is because the same reason why he lost the first time. Marinetti was good and held up, but Lincoln didn't hold up. Nationals were at Carver. Yeah, exactly. God. And he had a lot going on that weekend from the family. He was married now, and he had all these obligations, and I probably should have took him somewhere and hit him. And you got on the plane, and you just, from what I hear, you were sobbing on the plane. I was crying the whole time. That's what another one of these trips that my wife had to straighten me out. You know, that's just, you know, there's... You were crying the whole trip? Oh, well, not until my wife straightened me out again, kind of like my mom slapping me. Yeah. It was that first morning we woke up, and that's, I think, when she told me, you ain't, you're not going with us. You're staying here. You're working on that team. You know, you're staying here, and we'll see you at lunch, and then you can stay with us in the afternoon. But you need to work because you're a mess. Wow. And I think I got hurt that trip, too. Really? I think I was in the weight room, and I dislocated my shoulder, popped out. I think a lot of things went wrong. But but actually, it was a, it was a turnaround for me. It was good. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And just the last thing I asked everyone, Coach Gable, is how did wrestling change your life? We kind of talked about it, but just look at Take a step back. What has wrestling done for you as a person? I mean, where do you start with that question? Well, again, it's like it's my sport only because that was my best sport, and I'm smart enough to get in my best sport. So wrestling, it's really added to my life. It's changed my life uh, only from the standpoint that it always has kept me in line. Uh, If you get out of line, and it's kind of like my mom wrestling me back in line because wrestling is kind of winning and losing. It's a little bit of a fight uh, with rules. And sometimes uh, you need what that type of discipline to get you back on track. So whether it's me losing and then getting back on track and analyzing more than ever or me partying too much or getting disciplined and then whether it's my mom or my wife uh talking to me get me back on track or whether it's a coach that uh talks to you uh, or a wrestler yeah yeah where it's like you got to get home yeah exactly this wrestler on the blue he was one of my wrestlers and i'm sitting there drinking beer with him and uh he says you know what if you don't want to lose your family, you better get home. Shit. I go, what? Is that the day you decided not to drink more than two beers a day? No. That was with George Raveling? Yeah. I that was George the day Raveling. that I had to get up early in the morning to go fishing, and I had a headache, and and I felt so bad in that morning for about six hours. I said, this is not. But I had said that before. But so this, it was a pact. 
but it was right during the time that I was going to lose my family. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it definitely was not the day, but it was same all era. all part of it, the yeah. same thing. I mean, sometimes you got to straighten your life up. And I'll tell you what, and you you can't think you're going to, you're gonna, oh, I'll just go back and do the, a little bit. No, you got to straighten it up if you want it to really go as well as it can. And that's the issues with most people. They think they're going to straighten their life up by doing one thing. So it's like me when I look back and I thought we were going to get back on on top of the things after nine, eight straight ch- championships. I didn't, re- I forgot we'd gone for four or five years out of line, you know, and that's why it's going to take us like that. So, you know, it didn't just take me coming home that next night to get my life back in, with my family. No. It took me coming home every night for a long time yeah. before things started coming around. I mean, it's like, you know, it could happen again. Got to pay the price. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Got to pay the price. Yeah. Like, so, Coach. The good price. The good price. The good price. Honored to chat with you, sir. This has yep. been so much fun. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Give us a review. Give us a rating. And share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.